All right, welcome to the Lindroth Hockey Podcast. We are here today with a guest host. Before I get to that, I'll explain. Um, Andrew is on the road. He's actually in his band that we've talked about before called Through It All. And uh, he's actually with his band as we speak, traveling to Los Angeles, California, going to the Sunset Strip. And his band is playing Saturday night at... uh, the former Johnny Depp's The Viper Room. So it's a great experience from him. We'll uh, get some stories, I'm sure, about his road trip. Uh, But in the meantime, uh, we wanted to go across the pond again, and we wanted to get out an episode specifically for Sheffield and, of course, the rest of the Elite League. And I reached out to uh, our Uber fan, Jack Dale, and he's on holiday somewhere, fishing somewhere that he couldn't do it. He said, I've got just a co-host here. And we met about 30 minutes ago and we talked. He is uh, a member of another podcast, which we're going to talk about as well. But I'd like to welcome uh, David Grant to be our guest host here today as we talk Sheffield Steel Hockey. David, welcome. Thank you for having me. So it's kind of strange. you got two guys here, one uh, in Sheffield, England, and the other one in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And here we are. We're going to talk some Hockey. So let's talk, David. Well, first of all, Dave, tell us a little bit about the podcast that you're on as well. Thank you. So I am one of the three members of a podcast called the Three on Three Podcast, uh, which you can find on all your podcast streaming sites. Um, it's myself, a couple of guys called Scott Finley and John Williams, and we talk about what's happening in the Elite League, the major incidents, the big games. Um, we like to have a bit of fun at our own expense and at others, but it's all cordial. And um, we've been going for a year and a half and we're just having a lot of fun with that. Um, been some big issues over the last couple of years, which have meant some serious and, and some heavy episodes, but it's been a lot of fun. And uh, when you get to talk hockey with your friends, it, there's, there's no better thing. Absolutely. So give us a quick rundown. Being in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we try to catch uh, some elite games over there. Um, but we happen to miss a lot, so we rely on stats. We rely on trying to talk to our um, hockey players that we know and the various teams. But you're there. Kind of give us a recap, as you would on your podcast, of what's going on this week, maybe last week. So we've had um, the the Challenge Cup. So I don't know if Jack's mentioned it when he's been on, um, that we we don't just have the league obviously north america it's the league playoffs playoffs is linked to the league ours is separate so we have like three different competitions um the league being the be all end all we have the cup um and the playoffs now the chance cup is what it's called it's in its semi-final stage we've had uh, both first legs and one second leg done and the so that's uh, sheffield and coventry glasgow guildford and the other semi-final their second leg is next wednesday on the 7th sheffield or in, into the final and then the winner of that will, will play Sheffield in mid-March. Uh, so we've been talking about that. Uh, me being a Sheffield fan, Scott's a Coventry fan, so um, I've had some fun with that. Um, we've also had um, recently Cardiff being uh, the British representative in one of the European competitions, and they hosted the final of that. Um, so we, we did some talk on that. And we've also talked of um, Guildford and Belfast um, kind of getting some form and then losing form and kind of just not being consistent enough to put a challenge uh to the league leaders at the moment so we're talking a lot of the stuff and we've also just had our mid-term reviews of all the teams so we've had guests from each team 
uh, or fan of each team to talk about their team and how they've gone and, and where they see themselves going towards the end of the season, if they'll make the postseason um, and could they make the, the final four, which for us, it's uh, you the semi-final final on one weekend where all 10 sets of fans are in one building um, in Nottingham in April. It's a, it's a massive weekend. And if their team thinks that they'll have a chance of, of getting to that, some teams haven't been there for a long time. Some teams go that you go are good enough to be there year in, year out. So it's kind of now, if it's not the league, it's you're building up to that postseason and making a good run uh, at the playoffs. So we'll mention before we get into stats and all the good stuff talking about the team's performance, Let's since we're in the Challenge Cup here, um, I guess not a prediction, but like you said, you've got uh, the clan and, and Guilford going to hammer it out next week. Uh, who do you think, if you had to predict, is going to win and face Sheffield in the finals? My gut, my gut feeling is is, is Glasgow's going to do it. They've had some some very good wins on the road. Um, in fact, their quarterfinal win was away at Cardiff, um, and they, they did a number there. And Guildford are a good team. In your head, would say Guildford, uh, but I just got a feeling that Glasgow are going to surprise them again and, and make their would be their first competitive final. Um, in their formation as a team so it'd be nice just for that perspective alone um guildford have been there or thereabouts over the last couple of years uh they made the final um 2018 i think or 2019 they lost in overtime in the final so it'd be for them it'd be good for them to get make the final again so I, either team you it could even be just toss a coin where it lands who's going to go because there's arguments for both sides but my gut feeling says glasgow's going to surprise again and make the final you know, and that's the great thing about hockey, isn't it? That it's any given game, anything can happen. And while I agree, just based on, you know, knowing the, the league the last three years and following it pretty closely, I would say Guilford. I mean, they've been the surprise team for the last maybe two seasons. However, if you've got that feeling of the clan's got it going on and they're going to, uh, you know, really turn it on, they, they could win that game. Now, I think it was off air you'd mentioned that, both these teams have beaten Sheffield in Sheffield this season, correct? Yeah. So for Sheffield, now Sheffield going into this, I correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, they've blown out everybody um, by, I think they've scored, what, like 20 goals in two games? It's something ridiculous for the we, Challenge Cup. Yeah, we scored quite a few goals um, in, in every round. We've, we've not been by any tight games. So scoring's not been an issue. Defence has not been an issue. But Guildford and Glasgow have been teams in league action, have gone in and, and won. Uh, Glasgow regulation, Guildford was penalty shots, which for a one-off game where it can, you know, it will decide on there. It could, you know, it's easily doable. And as, as a Sheffield fan, as much as we're confident because the results say you should be confident, be very nervous come the March 13th, whoever we play, because um, either team can realistically go up just play that game, you know, I, you know, Glasgow, put everyone behind the bus and just defend for their lives and get a, a lucky goal. Guildford, with the, the talent and the speed that they have, anything can happen. It's definitely no um, done and dusted for a final. And it, it shouldn't be. A final should be a close thing, even if a team's different points in the league. For that one-off game, it, sh it should be uh, quite a spectacle. And I hope it is. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You want a competitive... Uh final at least so let's talk a little bit overall in the league so Sheffield's really doing well kind of blowing everybody out of the water at the moment that could change 
Um, Sheffield, um, so from a North American perspective, um, EIHL has such a short season. And it seems like a team can't afford to have a slump. You have a slump, you, you, you're, you're, you're done. You, you've lost any momentum that you had. So far, Sheffield seems to have just been the dominant force, no slump. Foxy's got them running on all cylinders. Um, what do we got here? Just some stats. So uh, I think they got like 55 points. Nobody's close to them yet. Uh, what do we got? They're averaging over four goals a game. Um, I mean, Greenfield and uh, Maroney are just closing the door with everything. I think they have like a 1.7 uh, goals against overall. And um I mean, they're doing everything right. You look at the stats and, you know, all the players are producing. We'll get into some that I want to highlight, but uh, can Sheffield continue to pour it on, do you think? Uh, we're going to talk about the injury to Newman. We're going to talk about the new player that just played, uh, Patrick Harper. But do you think Sheffield can continue to succeed and not run a slump here at the end of the season? Because some seasons they lose it at the end. That's the the area. If you ask any Sheffield fan, it's this this time of year where we've been looking great, and then for whatever reason, and it's been a number of reasons, we just go off the cliff and and get nothing for it. And it's the nerves of that which you you speak to everybody. You look at you know again look at league most goals scored, least conceded. Um, I mean, then you haven't got like a 50, 60 point score point scorer in the team. A lot of thirties. It's a lot of you know, effort throughout the whole four lines. You'd like to think, no, you'd like to think that there's not going to be a slump, but, you know, in hockey, anything can happen. The difference this year is the depth. Sheffield, and not just in the outskaters, but the goalies. Um, the depth in this team where you, your first line may have a bad night, and that can happen, but your second, third and fourth line, they're getting the goals. They're getting the game winners. Even in the net minding. Last year, Greenfield was actually came over in my eyes as, as the second goer to Ostland, who got injured and you never saw him. Turned out to be an absolute stud, you know, diamond in the rough, goalie of the season. Yep. But relied on. Fox has obviously seen that and he's got Marone. And Marone's played the cup games. I think he's, uh, Greenfield's only played one. But Marone's played a couple of league games as well. And he got a win against Glasgow where he's, he's picking up the wins. And it's he, that game in Glasgow was it last month, saving the last seconds to not make it to overtime. Clutch saves, you know, as good as Greenfield. The stats obviously look different, but they're all producing. They're all playing their part. And it's not just five, six, seven players. It's the whole roster. Um, it's led by uh, Robert Dowd, um, who's the top scorer at the moment. And he's, you know, leading for the You've got the experienced um, import players that are doing the job. Everyone's playing their part. Everyone's playing their role. And it looks good. It looks nice. But if you ask any Sheffield fan, no one's confident at the moment. Not because they don't want to. Not because they don't believe it. It's just we've been here before. Um, but hopefully over the next month, results continue as they are. And there'll be a bit more confidence uh, in the arena from, from Sheffield fans to say, yes, we'll do it. So let's talk about some individual players. And David, if um, if 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 I I'm certainly we're not going to talk about everybody, but if I'm missing somebody that you feel is important, you know, jump in at the end here and let's 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 talk about that player. Um, one I think a great great pickup is uh, 
Kevin Tanzi. So Kevin is, is having a great year. I think he's got like 16 points, but most importantly has 87 shots on goal for a defenseman. Um, I mean, he, that's a big stat for a defenseman. Um, he's also blocking a lot of shots. Now, of course, um, we're biased to, to Kevin because we've had him on the program, I think, three times. Um, and we followed him last year. I think he was in Denmark. Yes. And he was sort of um, kind of on the fence with us. Like he doesn't know if his career was going to uh, wind up and he was going to return to the United States. He's got that um, impactive uh, sort of CBD brand that he's uh, been working on and, and, and has out on the market. And then all of a sudden, bam, Fox signs him to Sheffield. And he's been a great addition, yes? Absolutely. Um, and those who are listed in from the UK, he reminds me a lot of a defenseman called Steve Munn, um, who we had a number of years ago, and I don't think we've had since. Very physical, very you know astute defender, but could play a little bit of offence at Tansy a lot more. Um, and it's shown that we've missed that style of defender, um, especially at the back of the season, where things have gone wrong. He's made... If teams want to get anything towards Sheffield Net, you're going to have to you know, earn it. Um, you can't just go through. And he's a big part of that. And he has been an absolute joy to watch um, and a character. Uh, I know you'll mention him uh, later on, Colton Saucerman. But just to show an element of character about them, they turn up to, we, we obviously play on Boxing Day, and, and them two turn up, one's in a, in a Santa suit, one's in an elf suit, <laughs> in their pre-game dress. And, you know, these are the guys that's the, the defenders that's going to not take any rubbish. Um, OK, fair enough. That, that's the character. And it shows that, you know, he, he's definitely enjoyed himself. Um, you hear a lot of stuff and you see a lot of stuff. Um, and, he, he, you know, he's fitting well. And you mentioned about the shots. He, he's plus 20 in league play. Um, and the type of defender he is, that's that's very good. It's it's, it's elite level. Um, so he's been great. Um, fitted in what I like to say. Just, we've missed that style of defender and it's... For me, it's showing the results that we're getting. And then some of the close games we've had, that style of defender, we've had, when we've had him, we get the wins. And we had over yeah. the previous year. So he's been great to watch, and uh, uh, he's certainly fitted into Sheffield very well. And so we mentioned you mentioned Sossaman. So he seems to be uh, kind of the new fan favorite over there. I get, I, you know, him and Tansy got that fiery rear, uh, red beard going on, which is kind of, kind of cool. Um, but Sossaman also, well, so does Tansy, but Sossaman really sticks up for his teammates, not afraid of anybody. Uh, like you mentioned, I mean, he's he's having a great season, 19 points. Um, and uh, let's see, I think he has the most blocked shots. He, he likes to really block the shots and sacrifice the body. I think this will be a reoccurring theme. I think this talks about the depth that you're talking about. None of these guys are really rookies that we're going to be talking about. And I no. wonder the veteran presence, not only on the ice, but in the locker room, in the on uh, at practice. I wonder if that has uh, a huge impact or how much of an impact it has on this on their success so, so far. Because they just, like you said, the depth, the vet, the experience seems to be coming together well. It has to. You look at any successful team in any league in Europe and North America – the, the good balance of the veteran and the young play um, always tends to be at the, the back end of the season. And, and this is no different. Um, they've got experience and, and, you know, we've got younger players, defensive forwards, you know, Sam Jones, Brandon Whistle, Cole Shulger. And 
to get to play against people like or with people like Sorcerer and Tanzi, even though they may be forwards, just to learn the things to do, the off ice stuff, and how to you know get an extra percent out of it. And it's showing throughout. Um, again, with Sorcerer, they're definitely they're prepared to put the body on the line, um, and that attitude. If you see your top line doing it, your, your stars, as it were, doing it, why can't I? And that attitude goes through the whole four lines. And they, again, like with Tanzit, Sourceman's fitted in well. He's, you know, it's three, three and 16. And that's, a, you know, for a defender to have that many in a short space of time that assists is great. And it's, it's showing that he's experiencing and what he's doing. It's also, you watch him play and it's smart. It's not just rough and tough, it's smart. Can definitely, you know, stick up for himself and his teammates when needed to. And he, and he has dropped the gloves a couple of times this year, but... Some of the plays you watch him, you're just like, wow, this, you know, okay, you know, he's, he's not, there's a reason why they, I'm not saying it's disrespectful, there's a reason why they're in the elite league, but you could tell they had some bags of talent. Valorant. So he, Valley comes back to Sheffield. And I remember we just started to cover Sheffield, Andrew and I, and uh, he left. And, he, and, and the reason why he left is he felt that Sheffield wasn't going to, I think it was, uh, wasn't going to get any hardware anytime soon. And he wanted to, to win and he left went back to europe now he's come back um fans have embraced him not only is he having a good season it's like 10 goals 29 points he's con uh, contributing consistently but he's kind of like um in the nhl over here kind of like the uh the brendan gallagher of montreal brad marchand of boston he really likes to get into the heads of the other players and not afraid to kind of mix it up so what are your thoughts this season so far on Valley? So he, he went to, to Ljubljana um, to have a crack in, in mainland Europe and, and he came back last season. And, and you thought that there was something just not right. Um, this year, he said in many interviews, you know, he was still probably carrying an injury. He's injury-free with the start scene and it shows. But it also shows the team around him that he's playing more of a, a team role. And when I'm saying that, I'm not saying he's not a team player. It's you've got the you know all the parts at play and he's fitted in well instead of trying to be, you know, the superstar, the the one that does everything. Um recently though, you put him on the power play, you guarantee goals. He's been sniping him on the power play. Um, which has just been, you know, when your other players aren't. Like I mentioned before, when the first line aren't doing it, everyone else is. And that's an example where our first, you know, our, the power play players at the beginning of the season. And Valorant's come in and he's this over Christmas and he think he got about three or four or five power play goals, something in that region. So he's doing a hell of a job and fitting him to the whole team plan. Um and I think that's one of the themes I'd say for this team. You know, you mentioned with Tanzi and Sourceman, they're fitting in, doing the hard yards, but fitting into that team plan. And it's shot and Valorant's doing exactly the same. Seems like the coach is relying on um Diffley a lot. Um, here he's logging in like just over 20 minutes a game a little bit more than everybody else talk to me a little bit about what you're seeing in him and the dependability of his play if you hardly notice defenders that's a good thing they're doing the job because if you notice a defender that means something's gone wrong and definitely just for me goes under the radar um, yeah. and just does his job well he's no spectacular it's nothing brash he just does his job but does it very well um and there's a reason why fox has given him the, the minutes because you know hey he's earned him 
Uh, you know, he's, he's plus 12 in a defence that's doing well. But he also, you know, gives that time for the other guys to get the rest and, and ensure that the, the effort level doesn't drop, uh, the the compete level doesn't drop, and the standard doesn't drop. He, he makes sure that that carries on. So I, I've been impressed with, with Diffley, but from a, I hardly notice him because he's just doing his job well. And it's, yeah. when, we, and when you, like I say, when you have defenders that don't, you don't notice, that means that they're doing something very well. So how important is it for Dowd to be captain for the fans of Sheffield? First of all, Dowd, like I think you said, I think he's leading uh, the team in goals. Um, you know, fellow Brit, he's the captain. He's kind of the heart and soul of the team. But um, how can I say this from uh, from a lot of uh, uh, British players that we've had on the show they're not always the star. It's usually the imports are the star, but he's a star here and he deserves it. I mean, what a, what a player, but for him to be a sort of homegrown and the captain, what does that mean for the Sheffield fans? It has to mean something. It means a lot, but I'll go back to our previous captain. It kind of links in with there. So you may have spoken about, but a guy called Jonathan Phillips yep. um, years ago, um, a team in New York called there's the captain. And you'd say that about him. He's not a Messier-style player, don't get me wrong, but dependable, was a, a phenomenal captain. I believe his shirt's been retired. He's earned everything um, domestically and at international level as captain for Great Britain. So to have someone, again, a British player, but someone who's been around the team for a long time to carry the baton on uh, was important. Mid-season, you know, in the off-season, everyone's talking who you think and everyone's like, has to be odds-on favourite, Dowd. And they kept it until the shirt launched to actually announce it but it feels like his game's gone up another level and his nice. game's good. his game is is, is very good is, is Robert Dowd's and he's leading from the front it's certainly you can obviously you don't know the conversation when you're obviously not on the bench but you can see it's that it, you know, it looks like it's a you know if you I'm going to do this you do it and, pe- and players are looking at that and doing the same if he's going to do that I'll you know he's not telling us to do something that he can't do and it's showing his performances, not just with the goals. He, you know, he he's not afraid to uh, to rough things up. Um, there's as many clip on, on YouTube uh, this season and, and previous seasons. In fairness, um, but he's he knows Sheffield. He knows what it's about. He understands the history and, and the pressures of Sheffield. It's one of the top teams in the Elite League. It's a Belfast. It's a Cardiff. It's a Nottingham. There's an expectation. Mm-hmm. So to have someone that knows it is an added bonus because some people will come into the country uh, and yeah. play in the elite league, but not understand the pressures of their teams. Uh, and we've had players in imports that you've got resumes that are like lights out, should do brilliant, but didn't just get it. Yeah. Having that captain who gets it and Dowd in an abundance gets it. So it's great to have him as captain um, and he's earned it. And uh, I, I hope to see him do what the, the previous captain did and lift silverware in the near future. You mentioned depth and of course, Here's the depth. So without going into individual players, you know, uh, Watling, Balmas, you know, we mentioned Dow, Usula, of course, Champini. You know, there's so many, um, you know, e- e- you know, Nichols. We talked about Valoran, uh, Newman, who's now out on injury. We're going to talk about it in a minute. Talk about the lines. How well has, has Fox kind of gelled the lines? Maybe he shifted lines around. It's obviously working. Uh, you know, Sheffield has like some absurd 
amount of goals for compared to their goals against. I mean, they're just scoring, scoring, scoring. Talk to me a little bit about these first two lines, maybe even three lines. I, I think the benefit this year is, is, is one of them, you could have a combination and you can move a player around, put him on one from three or three to two, and they seem to work. You know, you, so one line that has stand, stood out this year is Dowd, Balmus and Valorand. But a guy like Usala can go into any of them three lines. Champini can do the same. And even, you know, Josh Nichols. It's a combination that you, traditionally you'd have your set lines. And you Fox will go with stuff that he believes in his trust. But you watch them and they look like they can just blend in any of any three lines, in fairness. Um, such the depth. And even the fourth line, um, when Whistle's been, been um, not injured, He's done his best to try and keep that together because he's seen, you know, the confidence in, in the, the play. And amongst all the things, we've got the lines confident and your lines firing and, and they know where they are, they know what they're doing, they can do the drop pass and, and all the intricate plays that makes it work. It makes such a huge difference. And see, it's, it's weird in that respect, it's weird that you can say, well, but that play can go one, two or three and it not make a difference. Um, but there's there's depth, uh, and I think you look at it one until you could be either your first line, or second line. There's, it's not your traditional line one, two, three. Um, any of them can go on any line. So we've had we've got players that can do that this year, which I don't think we've had over the last couple of years, and that's that's good to see. In respect of you know we've had a few injuries. Um, I know Sam Jones has been injured. The same with the defense. You know you, we've got players in defense never lining like going either partnership. So having that depth and be able to go on either line, um, it, it's helped Fox in that respect. And uh, I just hope it continues. So let's talk a little goalie, and then we'll talk a little bit about Sheffield and the rest of the league in general. So Greenfield, like uh, you mentioned, you know, he was hired to be the backup last year and, uh, you know, got thrown into that that first number one spot and had a, a great season, having another great season. Now, we knew him and saw him over here, especially in the, uh, the ECHL, the East Coast League here. And uh, we noticed he was just a little bit too good to be in the East Coast League. And in North in North America, uh, it's a little difficult for goalies because there's so many goalies in so little spots. And, you know, poor Matt kind of like with all the goalies that get shuffled into the East Coast League, you know, they don't play if you have contract players from the NHL teams that are shuffling down to the AHL, then down to the ECHL. And um, it was a smart move for him to go over to the UK and uh, we just knew he was going to set it on fire, and he did. Our biggest problem watching um, and following him last year was there really wasn't a backup for him, and he was playing every game. And it was like Sheffield was having a good season. Don't get injured. It seemed like wrap this guy up in bubble wrap because if he's injured, that's it. It's, it's, it's end of season right there. Now they got Maroney. I think that's how you pronounce it, right? Maroney? I believe so, yeah. And um, he's only played three games, but he's won. Uh, he looks good. Looks like they at least have some relief because, you know, Chef, I mean, um, Greenfield can't play it all the time. They've got to give the guy a break. So talk to us a little bit about the goaltending situation and how does Maroney look? So traditionally in the UK, um, we will have one input goalie and he will play every game. 
Uh, and last year, like you said, if, if he was injured, it, it was uh, game over for, for Sheffield. And I felt that had he played 10, 15 games less, his performances, which were still good at the back end of last season, would have been better because he was knackered. So, like I mentioned previously, he brought Marone over. Um, Marone's played the cup games. And I think Greenfield's only played one or two, if that. And it's allowed him the rest. One big thing, you know, like I said, Greenfield came in, expected to be the backup, was an absolute diamond. And it's carried on this year. Um, 93.6 save percentage, 1.64 goals against. And the difference having the backup that can play, and as I mentioned, he's not got the similar numbers, but he's not letting the standard drop. And it allows Greenfield to have rest. So he can hopefully in the, in the stretch before the postseason, can Marone can play a few more games. It allows him the opportunity to rest and, and have another, you know, good crack at the playoffs. Um, but it all depends on, you know, if things are, you know, if injuries pick up with Marone or, or himself. But what I will say is his performance has been light out. And when a team has not needed to rely on the goal as much to ensure your level of compete is still high, and it is with Greenfield, it shows, shows the quality of the, of the player. Because um, there has been some games where Sheffield have dominated and defended well and kept everything for the side, and you know he's had little to do. Um, but when he's called on, it's that odd occasion where you see a goal in that may just be a bit, you know, lack of concentration because he's had nothing to do with where the goal's going. He's not. He's been able to keep that level up, and it's like, there's a reason why Sheffield's defensively is where they are, and along with, with the defence, Greenfield's and Marone, to his credit, in the games he's played, has certainly played their part in that. Are you surprised at all that Fox used an import or two imports for a goalie, but particularly using that an import slot for a backup goalie? Um, so from a as a Sheffield fan, no. Um as a fan of the national side, which I appreciate a different conversation, um, you'd like to see the British guys get a bit more chance. But when Fox's job is to win the league. To bring silverware, he has to do what's best for, in his opinion, the team. And so far, his selections have not let him down this year. And you know that's that's the main thing. Um, like I say, the the the, the British element is another conversation. That's another day. But in terms of the slots he's you know given to Greenfield and Marone, the import slots, it's it's proving a, a valid selection by Fox. Sheffield seems like a great place to play if the team's doing well. <laughs> not a great place to play if the team's not doing well, which is great. It's sort of like in the NHL, a lot of the old hockey teams like uh, Toronto, Boston, Montreal, uh, you know, the fans just, if the team's not playing well, that's it. The fans let them have it and they, they let them know. It seems like Sheffield's the same way. I think Fox has been sort of under the microscope. He's put together a good team the last few seasons, I think but couldn't get the job done. Like we talked about, ran into that weird slump towards the end of the season um, and couldn't finish the job. It seems like he's, I don't know if he's had a plan or if it's fit into what it is now, but it seems like he's slowly added in these pillars of strength on the team. And now it's finally coming together. Like the last three years of all the deals that he's been making and bringing in is finally paying off for him. Yes. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, you look at the last two years, um, defeats in, in the postseason to Dundee. No disrespect to Dundee, but it's something you wouldn't expect to happen. 
the cup semi-final last year are lost to Fife. Again, no disrespect to them, but you wouldn't expect it. And they're the type of results that, myself included, will upset the fans. And the fans will, where they can, let the club know that what on earth's going off. And there were, I feel, some pressure on Fox to deliver something this year. Um, and so far, like you said, he's he's got the right pieces at the right place at the right time. And the ones he's brought in, um, you know, Dominic Cormier, who's just been an absolute revelation. Um, and obviously, we've, we've just sang, I know you mentioned it, Patrick Harper. He's only had one game, but played the day after he landed. It looks good. Again, another resume that looks great. It's having them parts at the right time that will keep things going. And like I say, I think there was pressure on Fox this year. And so far, he's answering a lot of questions further down in, in the season than he has before. So hopefully it continues for him as a, as a coach of a team. And the, like I said, you know, you, you coach the Sheffield Steelers or your captain, similar with Belfast Cardiff. There's an expectation, there's a pressure. And it's not, you know, like you mentioned, the, the traditional IHL teams like the Torontos, the Bostons, Montreals, and even the Rangers. You know, there's a pressure there as original, original six teams to kind of deliver more often than not. Sheffield has that pressure and, and, and I think Fox now understands it and he's, like I say, his performances, uh, either, sorry, the performances he's getting his teams to produce are looking very good and looking in the direction that will hopefully give him some more credit that he'll have earned from his first season where he won a silverware back into back in 2000 before the pandemic kicked in. So I think Sheffield is either the top or one of the top most penalised teams as far as uh, penalty minutes is concerned. But their penalty killing is obviously working for them. But is that something as they start getting uh, closer to the playoffs that they're going to have to be a little bit more disciplined? Or is it a little bit better to play a little bit on the edge and knowing that they can kill the penalty? I mean, it's a double-edged sword. It is. And outside looking in, it looks like they trust their processes on the PK. Um, yeah. The percentages is high. Um, yeah. You know, you, if, you get a short, if you get a power play goal against Sheffield, after you've done very well. Um, so if you have faith in what you've got, you can keep playing on that edge. If they hadn't, then you probably would look a bit more, playing a bit more reserved, um, not as, as, as pressured, high pressured. But so far, as we mentioned, the PKs, in fairness, special teams across the board are doing very, very well. So if you've got that talent, you've got the, the stats to back it up, why not carry on? Let's talk a little bit of the overall league. Give me a, a, a feel um, of, of the league. I'll kind of see it from an outside view looking in. Um, we talked a little off air about this. It seems like for a while now it's been um, the teams that have the most money, kind of like American baseball with the old New York Yankees here. Of you know They used to just Steinbrenner would spend, 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 and they would win all the time because they've spent, overspent, uh, than any other team. But like you mentioned, you've got Belfast, you've got Sheffield, you've got Cardiff. They're all spending the money, making the right moves. They also have a great fan base that's uh, supporting the team. And then you have, and not to pick on the other teams, but you've got to have the Nottingham, poor Nottingham this season. You know, Manchester, um, you know, even, you know, I mean, I, I don't know the clan as well, but I, I know sometimes they've had issues. Like I said, I don't want to upset any team and any fans that are listening. But how how can the elite league fix that, or how how can it 
you know, because it just seems like it's going to be the top three or four are going to be the top three or four for a long time. I suppose if you look at it in a different way before I answer that, um, this season so far, the top team is, is away for it, but two to nine is highly competitive and a team will be any other team. Um, you know, like I said, Nottingham, and everyone knows what's happened. Sadly, with Nottingham, and it's it has affected them a lot more than than, it will, than people may have imagined. And I think that's showing their results. And that's not criticism of them. Um, that's just the worst thing to happen to to any hockey team or any any team in any walk of life to lose a, a team or a colleague in that. So, yeah. But you look at sign of you know Guildford. Uh, have got a, a strong team that their players are, are kind of hitting form. You know, Manchester, if, if they can get a good run at home, that's a horrible place to play. Um, and, you know, Fife, they look nice, but when they're on good form, that's just a horrible place. And teams who have won the twin titles have lost that title losing in Fife. It's, it's a place that can, you know, they're the places that can drop points. You had Dundee that had, for a fair while, three of the top five point scoring spots in their, in their roster. So, yes, the teams like to Sheffield, Cardiff, Belfast will navigate to the top of the league. And yes, they do have the you know more funds available to them, the bigger crowds uh, and everything about it. There's a lot of com- there's a lot of competition in between it. And normally you'd include the, the Sheffield this year would lose games against a Coventry, a Guildford, a Manchester. This year's a bit a one-off in that respect. So there, there is a lot of sort of teams can beat anybody. Um, you know, a lot of teams have had four-point weekends where you think, you know, they're the ninth, they're not going to. Well, they have done. You know, Glasgow can pick up points. Manchester can do four points. It's, you know, there's a lot of competitiveness around it. I think, in fairness, this year, you know the numbers will you know are spiked a little bit with with Sheffield running away with it. Um, to make it even more competitive, you, you look at the the import level and and but at the same time the local player level to to make sure that the standards are good because as much as you want the teams to be competitive, they need to entertain to get the the people into the stands. Um, you know Cardiff regularly sell out. Sheffield's highest average attendance for a long time. I know uh, Manchester have announced good numbers, and even you know Glasgow have got half their arena on a scene ticket, and still getting three thousand plus. So the numbers wise, in terms of attendances, are good. The question is, how do you balance it to have teams with a, a chance to, to compete more, and is it the import versus local player argument, or is it other things? You know, is it time that you kind of looked at a draft system? I think there's it's questions that. In any other number, it's a lot. It's a, that's a two, three hour uh, podcast, to be fair, because it's, it's a number of complex issues which you could throw into it. We'd be talking about on our podcast where, you know, and I mentioned on here about the, the goal is getting the chance because a lot of the top, apart from Ben Bounds and, and Jackson Whistle when he's not injured, they're the only Brit goalies in a mix of, of quality netminders who are overseas. Apart from Dowd, Lewis Hook, and Guildford, you know, there's not many forwards of, of from Britain that are in the top 2030 and the same with the defense it's just it's what the argument that you need to look at and what you do to bring everything a more level kill on that front um but what they'll say and right for so as long as the numbers are good as long as the people are coming through the door um I, you know i think there's maybe only one team that's struggling on numbers but apart from that 
the teams are well supported and it gives them the chance to invest into the team to keep com competitive throughout the rest of the season. Now, from North America, we know that, you know, football, soccer for our American listeners, um, you know, football is reigns king over there and huge, uh, you know, world-renowned teams. But it seems like ice hockey is picking up in popularity. Team Great Britain is doing extremely well in ice hockey um, and seems like they may even be moving up in the World Cup into another division because they're doing so well. We hope that's the case because that's going to elevate their game. Um, is hockey development, and I know you know we've got the National League over there, uh, but development in general all the way from teenagers um, all the way up, it seems to be strengthening. Is, it, is ice hockey becoming a little bit more popular? I think attendance is better, but I don't know. The attendance is better. Um, it's translate to people to play the game uh, and you know you'll know yourself it's it's not the cheapest of sports especially in a market like the uk um now hopefully with their reappearance in the world top pool this summer in in in, in chechia it hopefully gets some more people to go i want to take part in that you read and you hear stories of the the governing bodies underneath the elite league that trying to they they kind of have more of the the junior players so more of the development end at the beginning um and you you hear what they try and do and what you know they think this plan will work and to get more players involved and then get them more involved in the the national leagues and, and filter them through there um it's popularity in, in attendances but it's the numbers playing that's at the moment not as as what you'd like what you'd hope um in terms of you could you, can, you know when you try and compare to the likes of in europe you know sweden finland um and countries like germany and countries like that where there's a lot more players there's a lot more opportunities it's a bit you know distorting that but there are people coming through you you hear people who watch in the 20s that there's some good talent through there that's coming through the ranks alex odell one you mentioned in terms of the netminder is one that's coming through and you, you want to hear more but then it's the relationship between the National League and the Elite League to have teams that will have more borderline like farm team relationships like you have in North America. Now in Sheffield, the owner of the Sheffield Steelers bought out the Sheffield Steel Dogs, which is the league below. So you have that in Sheffield. You don't have it anywhere else. That type of, of strength. Do you have more of them across the board? I, I think you should just because they give the opportunities in, in a two-way street to give the best. You know, we had... Um, on Wednesday in the semi-final, we had a guy called Sam Cooper who plays for the Steel Dogs make his debut. Um, seven and a half minutes, didn't look out of place. And you, you see these players and you see them get the chance. There's one in Coventry, Max Stewart. Um, if they get the chance and, and give them the opportunity to show their case, their talent, it'll hopefully be there. For me, it's, it's the question is, is getting that talent and getting that transition of players to be able to play and get the opportunities, which is, I think, the stumbling block at the moment. But I do know that there are people that are trying to, you know, unravel the code and, and make it so that these guys get them opportunities. Yeah. Well, I don't want to uh, certainly jinx Sheffield. Um, just for the Sheffield listeners, though, don't become too complacent with success. All you have to do is look at my favorite team, the Boston Bruins last year, who, just stomped on everybody, broke all sorts of records for the NHL and was wiped out in the first round of the playoffs. 
And I won't even go into the reasons why I think they they did. That's another podcast. But they did. They were bounced out of the first round. And it, it left a big hole in everybody's stomach and heart, I should say. I mean, they broke everybody's heart. So, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, they're professionals. But hopefully Fox will keep that in mind as he as they start to get ready here towards the end of the season and prepare for the playoffs. I think, especially too much Sheffield, it's built on success. The history of the team, it's built on success. You go into the arena and you see the banners around the concourse of trophies year after year. The league, it's eight years since we last won the league. Um, and to some teams, they'll be like, mind one year winning it. From a Sheffield perspective, that's a long time. And I think the fans, after the last couple of years of when we're gone, is this a year to not, are still keeping their feet on the ground. But the, every week that goes on, I think, you know, they'll relax a bit and, and believe more that it's, you know, the league title, which is which is compared to every league in, in the world is different. The league's the, the king in that. When that's won, that will be uh, quite the, uh, the party in Sheffield. Yeah, and, you know, even some um, UK listeners to our podcast have have contacted us and asking why is North Americans kind of interested in the elite league and the reason is twofold um first of all we know the majority of the players being in Tulsa Oklahoma we have our east coast team here but you know we're tied into a lot of American league and NHL's players as well so you have quite a few of the players that have played even for Tulsa that have been on Sheffield and all these other teams as well anyway the point being is um, it's a wonderful, wonderful competitive league. And I don't know what it was 10 years ago. I didn't follow it, but it's a fast, it's a competitive league. Uh, it's more, I think, in lines with the American League uh, here in the North America. But then I've been impressed with the development of, of the UK players. And of course, there's always some great Swedish players you get, some Finn players, and even some uh, players that have played in, I think it's Austria, or even the German Dell League as yeah. well. So it's really a good melting pot, I think, of of talent. And um, I you know, think that the Elite League is getting more and more looks uh, than they did in the past. And I think that's uh, a good thing for the UK. It is. And, you know, we, we have uh, a team that play in the in a tournament called the Champions Hockey League, which uh, for the North American, it's the, the hockey equivalent of the, the, Ch the Champions League in football. Yeah. Um, and speaking to someone from Sheffield who gave the world the game football, it's definitely football, not soccer. Um, <laughs> but uh, when we get that, when, this year it was Belfast and you get them seen against uh, Finnish teams, the Austrian teams, um, the Czech teams, another uh, good, we've actually got um, a British player playing in the, the Czech top league. Um, it was drafted by Arizona, Liam Kirk, who's having a decent season there. Um, yeah. So you get the chance to see them all. And you guys say it's, it's another level, but when you see our teams compete and it's the local lads who compete and you kind of go, it's getting there slowly, but surely, uh, and it may take a long time, but, the steps are being made and you know as long as they keep putting the best foot forward who knows what will happen in the next 5 10 15 years i can't thank you enough um unless it's something i i think if we didn't cover that you want to cover david for my podcast no you, um, you've covered everything i i can't thank you enough um uh hang on when we do say goodbye i want to say goodbye off air but um i can't uh thank jack Jack Dale, uh, my mate from Sheffield, that's uh, been with us since uh, uh, our podcast started almost 
two and a half years ago. Um, I think it'd be good. Maybe I should get Tim on and you on and have Andrew join us as we get closer towards the playoffs because it's going to be an exciting playoff uh, run, I think, for the whole, you know, and you ne- like you said, you never know. I still say Belfast is still got some life in them and you can't you can't forget Cardiff. No, they definitely have life. And Cardiff are always there or thereabouts. It's uh, it, it's not, like you see, right, it's not a giveaway. It's not a done deal. And it's one-off games. It's going to be exciting. Um, just hopefully that it's it's our team that's uh, at the top of the pile again at the end of the season. Can't thank everyone enough here to our listeners. Uh, we've got more coming up. Uh, up here with Andrew and I in the Lindrop Hockey Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time.